Welcome to Pardon the Confusion. This is our 209th episode. I'm Paul Arnold. He's Ernest Watts. 209. Have you ever bowled a 209 game, Ernest? No, but I might have batted two. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, that's, that's half as many songs as I have on my queue on my uh, phone. I have like 420 some songs on my queue. Nice. So I guess that's halfway to that. Do you pay I mean, for it, extra storage every no, month? No, 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 no. I, I can live with the commercials. Oh, okay. No, no, no. I, and I have very eclectic tastes. I believe that, folks. Yes. Well, yeah, I got in trouble because I was playing one out by the pool and my wife came out. And I enjoy Stand by Eminem because I think it's a, a Oh, I thought you were going to go more old school like Mama Has a Squeeze Box. Well, no, there's a Buffett song that... that uh, Luckily, she wasn't outside when that came out. But, yeah, I mean, the, the rap I have, I have to get the edited version <laughs> especially when I'm doing it for the neighborhood. It's nice I that have Ernest does I have, that. You're how old now? Uh, two more days, I'll be 67. 67-year-old white dude by his pool playing rap for the, for the neighborhood. I have, nice. I have rap. I have gospel. I have country. I have, of course, rock and roll. I have soul, I have operatic music, I have electric taste. All right. Like I said, I have varied tastes. Well, one of our favorite tastes of all things is sports, and that's what this podcast is mostly about. But if you've listened to us before, we talk about culture or whatever we want to think about. It's like two guys just getting together after a long Sunday and just catching up on sports and Sports is really cranked up with college football and NFL. Let's start with college football. And, you know, there's two African-American coaches that have gotten all the attention this weekend, Ernest. One for all good reasons and one for all the bad reasons. Let's start with good reasons. Deion Sanders is now 2-0. and He, If I told you beginning of the year that he would beat TCU and Nebraska convincingly, um, well, the TCU was a little close, but two great wins. Would you have believed it? Would you have said, yes, that's going to happen? After I've lived to four years of Matt Rule, I definitely believe he could beat Nebraska. That was not a big surprise. And TCU had a big turnover. I mean, that, give him his due. Colorado won one game last year, so he's already doubled the output. But, uh, you know, I saw his work at Jackson State, and, and obviously I watched a few games, and I think he's great at getting uh, – he has great coaching staffs. Like his offensive coordinator was the head coach at Kent State last year, and they had one of the top ten offenses. And the defensive coordinator, I'm going to think he came from Stanford. So he's good at delegating. He has that CEO – Maybe it rubbed off from all those uh, commercials with with Saban, but he brings in good coaches, lets them do their job. And I think the only they say the only players that he uh, integrates himself with are the defensive backs. And what defensive back would want to hear from him? But he pretty much lets his coaching staff does their job, and and he he kind of delegates. I'm not shocked. Uh, I, I have a feeling that he has a long game in play. I don't, I don't think he'll be in Colorado in four years. I think he's using this to move up, and there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think Colorado has a problem with that because that's a program that wasn't relevant since, oh, my gracious, uh, Bill, Bill McCartney in the yeah. 90s. Well, you texted me a very hot take. You said that you could see Deion Sanders doing really well in Colorado with the hope that someday he'd be the Dallas Cowboys head coach. Oh yeah, Jerry'd love him, and I think I think he'd do okay as a pro coach. I think if he keeps that same format and, and brings in good assistant coaches and does not feel like that doesn't overcoach, so to speak, I think he I think he could be a successful NFL coach. Look at me in it. Former players now are doing very well at, at Tennessee and other places. So, you know, yeah, I think he could do quite well. I have no doubts. Well, in now his, he's, his news conferences, he's really talking about, you know, like disrespect and people don't believe in me. All this, like, you hate me talk. You know, we're going to prove you guys wrong. No, none of you have been on my bandwagon. And, and I keep on seeing the same theme everywhere I look. On the NFL interviews after 
all the hate talk. Coco Golf, the young lady who won the U.S. Open, says, thanks for all that hated on me. I used it for fuel and fire. I mean, Ernest, how long are we going to deal with this? I guess we're always going to have to deal with people creating an enemy to motivate themselves. Well, they always do. I mean, Abel probably did it against Kane. Didn't work out too well. But yeah, there's always been, you know, you don't respect me, you don't, and that's a motivational tool that you go back to the players. Look, they didn't do this to us. They don't respect y'all. They don't think you're as good as they are. That's, and a lot of that's self-created. I know Phil Jackson was great at doing that. I know a lot of coaches who, who use that as fuel. And when you play a season of 12 to 13 games, you're not going to be up for every game. It's just physically not able. So that's what they do. They create it sometimes. I know some coaches will talk to the the uh, reporters in the opposing cities and kind of set them up to the extent, you know, poor mouth and everything like that. We'd be lucky to do this. And they, they, they set the seeds for it. And it works. It's effective. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, Jokovic, who was playing tennis today, this will be my last tennis reference for today, folks, I promise. Um, he does it every single match. He finds a reason to get mad at the crowd or mad at the other player, to stoke his energy and uh, keep on going. So the other African-American coach... Who well, did, we haven't even mentioned the master of doing that. Who was the all-time great at finding, using slights to motivate himself? Michael that's Jordan. Michael Jordan, yeah. And it turned out pretty good for him, didn't he? I mean, that's... Like I said, this is nothing new. I've, when I've coached rec ball, I've done this. Yeah, I but was, when do you turn it off or on? I mean, after you, you retire, can't use it too much. That, that guy at the gas station looked at me wrong. Um, you know, at some point, you got to let it go. Well, yeah, that's his speech in the Hall of Fame. That's, that's where he voiced a lot of those things out. And, and people kind of said that Michael Jordan sounded like a poor winner. So, yeah, there's, you can't overuse it, too. You can't use it for every game. But I think a lot of people, are those who are complaining, say that, that uh, Dion is aiming it towards the, the white sportscasters, which there are not that many minority sports writers to start with. So that's, you know, I mean, it's just a tool he's using. It's not serious in that respect. It's, it's a bit of gamemanship. Yeah, and before I get too down on Dion for that, uh, Michigan's coach Jim Harbaugh has used it recently for him taking a voluntary suspension and his players are going, they've taken away our coach. We're going to win for the coach while they're playing these really easy games. I'm thinking, come on. Well, yeah, the quarterback on. had a jersey with, with Harbaugh's name on it. Free Harbaugh. It's yeah, become yeah, a joke. Free Harbaugh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, again, this is this is just a motivational tool. It doesn't mean anything. And no, it, it will continue on. That's just... So the end of the year, where will Colorado end up? Uh, Colorado will be in a bowl game. Uh, they'll have a winning record, but they're not going to win the, the, the Pac-12. I mean, Pac-12, ironically, this is probably the best season they've ever had, being their last season. But you've got a Heisman Trophy winner in Caleb Williams at, at USC. you got Bo Nix uh, over at Oregon. All these are Heisman Trophy candidates. you got uh, Penix. At Washington, you got Utah, which won the Pac-12 for the last two years in the conference championships. Uh, don't don't underestimate what Chip Kelly can do over at UCLA. I mean, it's just a loaded in Oregon State with the Clemson transfer, with DJ coming over there, looked good his first two games. It's a packed conference, so he's going to lose four or five games, but they'll be in a bowl game. And he may get coach of the year because he took over a program with one win. Yeah, well, it's uh, not even the same team. That's, I mean, there's, what, ten, 10 kids on the t- team from last year? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's the big thing that's transfers. You look at the teams that were traditional powers that are starting to slide. Clemson. Uh, I mean, Clemson's refused to take transfers. And it's only because the coach there has been vehemently against this all along. And... The program is just not the same. Clemson, it, it, their heyday is over, and it's 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 sad to see. I mean, yeah, Alabama are you listening. Alabama, Alabama's not gone a whole hog with with the transfers in that respect. They've had a few, but not the overwhelming number we see at other schools. So it is interesting. What I also find interesting is it looks like 
this is probably the lowest level for the Southeastern Conference. You get Texas A&M beat by Miami. You get South Carolina beat by North Carolina. You get uh, LSU destroyed by Florida State. Uh, Alabama gets beat by Texas. It's the first non-conference loss they've had at home since 2002. And it's, it's you know, that's the three contenders in, in, in the West. And as we said last last time we did a podcast, you know, college football is that one where you lose that one game at home. It really, really makes you not, you're you're dependent on other teams to be a viable candidate for that final four. Yeah, it's going to I, mean, I love college football. It's just warming up. Um, so we'll move on to the other coach. Oh, which... quick, quick, quick before we go, quick before <laughs> we go, before we get to the coach, before we get into the real serious stuff. Uh, who would you pick for your final four right now, college football? Who would make the championships? Oh, my goodness. Um, can you give you mine? That way you can you get time to think of yours. Yeah, let's let's come back to it in just a little bit. I hadn't okay. given that a lot right. of thought. I mean, I'm just enjoying the beginning of the season. I'm thinking USC might slip in there um, yeah, real quick. I, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be a homer Great. and say Michigan's going to be in there for three years in a row. Agreed. Um, um, and then the other two is really, I don't see Alabama now making it. Uh, I see Georgia being three. And yeah. The f- and the fourth, I, I'm going to pick Notre Dame. Well, see, I would take Texas. That's the only one we would differ on. I, I was really impressed with Texas. So Texas would take whose spot? Notre Dame's? Uh, yeah. The other three we agree on. Trouble with Michigan's playing on uh, away at Michigan State and at uh, Penn State, and they get Ohio State at home. But let's get to the other coach who coaches, at least for now, at Michigan State. The news broke this morning from USA Today and ESPN that Michigan State's coach Mel Tucker um, has been under investigation for sexually harassing and intimidating a lady that came to his program to teach about sexual harassment um, and did some unthinkable things over the phone that he's disputed, and Michigan State's been quietly investigating it since December of last year. Wait a second, wait a second. I'm looking through my dictionary. Tone deaf. Tone deaf? C- is he his pictures Tucker. there? Yes, yeah, it's his. C-Mail Tucker, tone deaf. So he yeah. has made a public statement saying that he did nothing wrong. This was a mutual consent type of situation. He's having a hard time forgiving himself for this situation. And in Michigan, there's some real conspiracy talk going on. See, he signed a big guaranteed $95 million contract. And so now we see this as a $70 million mistake or stupidity uh, mistake. That Now they can get rid of him and, um, and move on because he only had one good year. Um, so the he's real just, question is who made the big mistake, him with the phone call and actions, or the boosters for paying someone that much? Money? Well, there two mis- two rights make a left. No, it's three rights make a left. Um, both are, were wrong, you know, uh, terribly wrong. And there's some things, you know, I think, gosh, it's horrible. He's going to get fired and and lose all this money, but he's going to lose more than that. There's some things that are worth more than money. It's going to, you know, he's put his whole personal life in jeopardy. His professional career is going to definitely take a huge hit. Um, But the Michigan State, the question around here is why did they let him coach during the investigation? I think in our country you're you're innocent until proven guilty. Um, But Michigan State's had a problem, if you don't remember Dr. Larry Nassar and all that, where they didn't make things public with that gymnastics doctor. So Michigan... Um, this has taken all the headlines. Um, they brought back the old coach, Mark D'Antonio, to be just a overseer of the program, just to keep it going in the right direction. Ernest, can you think of a worse thing to happen to a team after two well, games? Well, first of all, I want to ask. Uh, so Michigan's coach self suspends himself for buying <laughs> breakfast for a recruit. Right, he bought and right. And Michigan State's coach, yes, who did inappropriate things on the phone and to himself while talking to a woman that he brought in to do a presentation on the dangers of, of, of 
you young can't make this stuff forcing up, man. themselves yes. up on women. He gets to coach a game. Two games he got to coach. At, which goes to show you boosters are the most important part of the campus, more than the president, more than the faculty, because that's the only reason, because the boosters invested that money. Have I ever known of a situation which is worse? Texas A&M fans might think that about Jimbo Fisher. Of course, he's not done anything. What about Baylor's basketball coach? Ah, well, yeah, he did. Not uh, the current one, the one before him. He did have one of the players <laughs> uh, murder one of his other players over a drug deal. Uh, Bobby Petrino, who happens to be the offensive coordinator at Texas A&M, um, kind of went on a motorcycle ride and had an accident with his girlfriend that was 40 years younger than he was. Well, I can come up with some more now. There, there, there are quite a few. This is, unfortunately, when we see entitled college football coaches who think they're beyond reproach and they get everything they want. This is not the first time you look at, uh, Texas's coach who, uh, lost his job in the middle of the season because USC, because he had, uh, he suffered Sarcasium. from alcoholism. Yeah. Sarcasium was, he was drunk drunk at a party, drunk on the airplane when they came back from losing to Arizona or Arizona state. I forget which is, well, the point yeah. I want to make real quick is, so both Dion and Mel happen to be African-American. And one of the constant things that I'm aware of as a white male is that sometimes I just see the world from white privilege. And some of my African-American friends will say it's harder for an African-American man to get to these positions that they, they feel are qualified. Here's two guys, Dion, who had to go to Jackson State to get a chance, and then Mel Tucker sort of fell his way into this job. Is there any double standards with either one of them on these these two situations? No, like I said, I just mentioned a couple guys who got in not as much trouble, but the same type of trouble. So no, I mean, I think you know, Dion would never. I could never see Dion. Dion is so image conscious and projects an image that he is actually he is what they call today. What is it now? Not a product, but a but a style or something like that. He projects. It's it's more a brand. of a, corporat- a brand. The corporatization is a brand. Mel Tucker is just somebody who's gotten. I mean, listen, he walked away after one year at Colorado, and and only told told him twenty four hours after he signed a contract extension. So this this is an individual who has shown in the past that he has some questionable decisions morally in that respect. You know, listen, pro, uh, college football coaches aren't exactly the best for morals to start with. I mean, you know, they leave for another check and everybody promise kids that they'll be there to see them graduate and probably a minute through the internet they'll watch them. This is not a crowd that has a stellar image. In the old days, wouldn't you be upset for the recruits who are stuck? But nowadays, you just transfer on and go somewhere else. uh, Yeah, I mean, there's another name you're not thinking about. I mean, there, there is... One thing we are as a country is we are a forgiving group. Look at Rick Patino, who's now at St. John's. Do I have to think of Rick Patino? Well, you know, Patino basically did something at a restaurant that's not on the menu, hired prostitutes for his players, uh, yet he served his penance at Iona, and now he's at what used to be, uh, when the Big East was around, one of the top three schools, the Big East. I still think that St. John's has a has an aura to it to an extent. But hey, this ain't the end of it. I mean, Tucker could be serve as pennant somewhere. Um, uh, look at the old coach for Toronto and and the Pistons, who got fired from Casey. Kentucky for yeah, Casey Dwayne Casey for stuffing money in envelopes and sending it to recruits. I mean, people's don't people individuals don't. If you can get me to win, you'll get a job. Patino was coaching in in FCS last year at Northwestern Missouri State. So, you know, you'll serve your penance, but it gets forgotten. We, we, you know, as this country, we got a lot of faults, and we could probably take up the list of the podcast. But we're a pretty forgiving country. We are. Well, especially if you offer something. Let me give you some hot takes, quick takes on college football. So this is where I like to pepper 
Ernest with lots of questions. And somebody the other day said to me, do you remember that game Pepper you played in baseball? Like before the game starts, you just roll the baseball around or knock it with the ba- You know what I'm talking about? And then the Hit signs. Hit it with the bat back and forth. That's why I got all the signs at the ballpark saying no Pepper. No Pepper. <laughs> Anyways, hit the, it and bounce it back with the bat, choke up with the bat and hit it. Yeah. Yes, but go ahead. All right, here we go. Saban, are we seeing the beginning of his end? Uh, you know, it scared me the other day when they said he was 71. That means he's only five years older than me. Uh, yeah, this is this is it. I mean, the game has changed with NILs and, and with the money in the Southeastern. You bring in Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, I can see him out in two years. If Dabo, if if Saban goes out in two years, is Dabo his successor like they used to talk about? I don't think so. I think Dabo's too old. They want someone younger. And coming to shine's falling off Dabo lately. Uh, he gets a lot of criticism, unfortunately, because uh, he, he, for, he, he demands spirituality of his players. They must attend church. And a lot of he's been sued by the ACLU a couple times because of it, because that's a state college and he is enforcing the separation of, like I said, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to incorporate some leadership, some morals, some spirituality towards young men in college away from home for the first time. I do understand separation of church and state, but that's 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 kind of taking a little shot. Well, you brought up spirituality. Notre Dame, are they for real this year? Mm, Only if they play the ACC. They've beaten the ACC 24 times in a row. You don't have them Uh, in the Final Four, so maybe not. No, I know. I think being, you know, even though they're semi in the ACC, I just like what I've seen in the schools. It could change in a heartbeat. It only takes one home loss to knock on any of them out, and it seems like Utah has a, a grip on USC. I mean, they, they think they've beaten them four straight times. Yeah. So well, right now, though, I mean, and, and listen, Hartman is somebody that, that I enjoyed watching at, at Wake Forest. He used to have that mesh play, which he would follow the running back to the line of scrimmage and pull it back and throw it. So Hartman is a, a borderline uh, uh NFL quarterback, he reminds me of, of the, the kid at the Rams now. He used to be with Georgia. No, 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 no. The Georgia quarterback who's with the Rams now. Oh, yeah, Bennett. Bennett. He reminds me of Stetson Bennett the third quite a bit. And he's, this is his seventh or sixth year. But like I said, he's a big improvement quarterback. Their defense is pretty good. I just think – I don't think they'll beat Ohio State. All right, who's going to win the Heisman? Do you think Caleb Williams is going to win again or the Florida State quarterback? You're not throwing in uh, Deion's son? You already told me that Colorado's going to lose four or five games. That's our takes him out. I think Caleb Williams will do it. He's just, I watched the game last night. I only had to watch the halftime. They had like 50 points. And he's throwing it from all directions and, and, and running and. I think, you know, we, we never thought we'd see another Archie Griffin situation at two time, even though we've had guys as freshmen that have won. Tebow won it as a freshman. Uh, I, I think Caleb Williams. I mean, I'd love to say my, I'd like to say May at Carolina, but Carolina's not a program that's going to be a top 10 program, and I think you really got to be a top 10 program. So I, I, I take him. I would think I like the quarterback at Florida State, but but and I like ever Ewers at uh, Texas, but I think it'd be Caleb Williams again. Don't sleep on Bo Nix and Michael Penix at Washington. There's too many good quarterbacks this year. I think it depends who stays healthy and wins the good games. Um, uh, last question: Mac Brown, how many more years will he coach at North Carolina? Mac enjoys it. He's so. I mean, you see the difference between him and Saban is just like. Looks like he's got gas or something. I mean, just, <laughs> that's just, the way you look when you have a smile, I guess. Uh, Max is having a good time. He's smiling all the time. There's no pressure. He's in the Hall of Fame. He's got his national championship. He'd love to win one at Carolina. It's not going to happen. But he enjoys the relationship with the kids. I mean, I don't hear Saban talk about his relationship with the kids and how he wants to see them improve and. Uh, be good men in the community. I mean, it's like Matt. I mean, Matt's just, he's just relaxed. He doesn't get upset on the sidelines. And I, I, I don't know. Say, Last year, I thought he was going to have a heart attack or a stroke one time. But. 
Well, maybe this year, he's, like I said, he just he just seems relaxed. And he says, what will I do? I don't like golf that much. And, and, and his wife is really big on this is what she wanted him to do. So I know they use this in recruiting against him. Any coach over the age of 50, they, they use that or, or has had a bad season. But he's bringing in the recruits, and he, he seems like he's brought in a lot of guys like Sparky Woods, who followed him at Appalachian State when he left him, which was his first coaching job. He's his administrative assistant. And like I said, a lot of these are his old friends that are coaching with him. And, you know, they have, they have Michael, they have Matthew McConaughey come in and speak to the team. They're, they're very close friends. Blows my mind that Mac Brown and Matthew McConaughey are friends. Oh, just, why not? Why not? I, I was just going to say, I, I can't see Mac with a bongo banging it, but <laughs> uh, he enjoys it. And like I said, that uh, I think they read him with that question all the time. He just smiles. Like I said, he's, he's in a low-pressure situation. As long as they have a winning record and get to a bowl game, he'll be happy. It's not Texas. All right. Well, there you go. That's quick takes from Ernest Watts on the – College football. Now we go to NFL and a little bragging going on here since I've gotten on the bandwagon as of last year. The Lions beat the Chiefs with an asterisk, according to Mike Tirico, since they didn't have Kelsey or um, all the defensive linemen. I'm drawing a blank for a second here. Oh, Um, I was going to say all the drops by the wide receivers. Well, that too. And it's interesting. It's like they take one little remark by Mike Trico and use it as a hate tool or a manipulation story. Anyways, Lions looked really good. Um, they believe in themselves, and our our coach swears like a sailor, but he's getting the job done. So, were, was anything surprising in that game to you besides the drops? The ability for them to run the ball. I mean, it's again, yeah. Uh, Frank uh, Frank Jones was not in that the best defensive lineman, but they're able to run it down. They just Chris wore Jones. them out. Chris Jones, sorry. They just wore them out. But, you know, there is no sport that we overreact with the first week like the NFL. Oh, no, no. I want to overreact on this one. <laughs> I mean, I mean, all the teams that I picked didn't do that. I mean, it, it was interesting to see some of the games, to see uh, uh, Cincinnati have its worst offensive game in the last 10 years. Chris Burrow, uh, Burrow's, Joe Burrow, excuse me, Joe Burrow had his pass for under 100 yards. And the Steelers got stomped. I mean, it's it's an 18-game season, and if you're 500, you're probably going to be near enough to the playoffs. Uh, I don't think we learned that much this week. I don't think there's anything set and dried uh, I mean, I thought Arizona was going to be the worst team. They they come back and and they give the the, the commanders a good game. It was it was fascinating to see how close that was. Uh, I thought the Rams were going to be pretty much useless too. But you know they they didn't they win didn't didn't the I didn't yeah, catch the, that score before we came Rams out. won. 30 to 13 at Seattle. Wow. The Packers, who I thought. Uh, Jordan Love came out there and looked like a more than competent quarterback, and they destroyed the Bears in Chicago. Patriots came back from down 16 and had a chance to beat the Eagles. And and the Chargers, I picked Super Bowl, they blew a big lead to the Dolphins. And the, the, the uh, Wilson's return uh, with Peyton at Denver didn't start off too well because Jimmy G showed that maybe if you keep him upright, he's a pretty decent quarterback. They beat the Broncos at Denver. So, again, I don't think you can overread things. I, I You know, the, the, you look at the three rookie quarterbacks who all three lost, uh, all of them threw interceptions. Uh, I think it's a, a learning curve. I mean, that's what you're going to see. So I don't no one's out of it in that respect. They like college football because for all critical reasons, a lot of teams lose. Alabama's out of it. Yeah, NFL more than other sports. You had to be hot toward the end. That's what really matters, that you got it it's, all it's, figured it's, out. It's a succession game in that you're going to have injuries, and the teams that are good are the ones who have great backups. 
those are the teams. That's 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 thing. Tell the difference between a good team and a bad team is if they have competent backups. If they have guys that can plug in in the offensive line, in the linebackers, in the defensive secondary, that the the state of play does not go down. That they don't have to, so to speak, if a running back goes back and they have to really pass the ball. It takes away the running game. Or if a a cornerback goes down and now they have to double whoever he's covering with a safety, which leaves the middle of the field open. It, it's kind of like plugging the, the, a leak, so to speak. Those teams will have credible backups who can come in and do the job. Not as good as the starter, but competently. That's the teams that are successful. All right, well, let's talk at, about your Panthers and backups. Who's their backup quarterback? Uh, the Red Rifle. Oh, my you know, goodness. Talk about retreads. Yeah, well, he's going to play for every team here eventually. He's going to be – he's the Vinny Testaverde of our generation. <laughs> nice, nice. Was I reaching back deep for that? I love yeah. him who actually played for the Panthers at one well, – Did he ever uh, make it to Detroit? If he didn't, I'm surprised. No, no. So just to jump on the uh, Joe Burrow, get signed the big contract, he, everybody's called him Joe Cool. And the original Joe Cool is Joe Montana, right? But ah, Snoopy. Per, <laughs> Snoopy was the original yeah. Joe Cool, but uh, Purdy, I tell you what, he he has the goods, man. I was curious to see if he could throw it after his injury and recovery, and he makes great decisions. He's a little, you know, not afraid to voice his opinions on the sideline. It's just like he's a real deal. I'm surprised so many teams passed on him, um, and he fell down to Mister Irrelevant. Right? He was the last one picked. Right. Well, Why do you think I mean, they passed on him? I think size, he didn't have anything that outstanding. I mean, he was a three-year starter at Iowa State, and they were always a, a contender. I mean, they never won the, the Big 12, but they were a team that pulled quite a few upsets. And it was a very controlled offense. It wasn't anything, it wasn't a pass-happy offense that, that you see now in college ball. So he ran the ball, handed the ball off, didn't have a, quality deep receivers i think it's sometimes guys have to be in that position a la tom brady i mean it's you know tom brady and and i watched him play at michigan uh everybody thought drew henson was going to be the superstar i mean the the dallas signed him after he played pro baseball for a couple years patrick mahomes i saw at tech and he had no wide receivers it was a gimmick offense, and I gotta say, it didn't impress me that much. So you, it's it's a combination of coaching, it's the staff around you, it's the ability to tailor to your skills, like Jackson at Baltimore. Uh, it's it's a lot of things that work right. I mean, they they give away uh, Trey Lance for a dime a dollar to Dallas. I know Dak loves that. Have a younger backup. Uh, you, you just, it's a mystery of things. That's why quarterbacks, we never quite understand the March stars. It was a 15 round draft pick, Tom Brady, sixth round, right? Was Brady in the sixth round? Yep. Uh, that's just it. I mean, they're just guys who just, you don't know, but something clicks and that's just the nature of it. It's not always a first round draft pick. Right. And and just because you're successful in college or not successful college does not prohibit from that from working in the pros. Right. Lions got Branch, the safety from Alabama, and a mm-hmm. bunch of teams passed on him um, because they thought he might be a little too slow uh, for the NFL. And, of course, he had a great first game, um, had a pick, you know, and – and it really has a nose for understanding the flow of a game, too. I know it's only one game. I get it. We can't overreach on it. Um, so, you got a great tight end from an Iowa Yeah, yeah and a good not, linebacker. Could so, not score without a $50 bill in the pocket. I mean, they were the most <laughs> offensively inept team all last year in college football. But he's a blocking tight end. And that's, he's a blocking tight end catch. And that's just it. You don't, you don't know... So many factors affect guys in college, and you can run a 40, and you can bring him to Indiana, and you can pinch him and scratch him and whatever, but you don't know until you put him in game situations. Right. I mean, and again, the preseason's changed so much. 
uh, Perot didn't play any in the exhibition season, and he looked like it this week. I mean, you know, you just yeah. can't step on the field and play. Well, Boza didn't play any preseason. He looked all right today, so. Yeah, but he just has one position. He charges outside and tries to keep everything <laughs> inside and yeah. put pressure on the quarterback. For quarterback, there are so many machinations and, and the fitting in and seeing. There are a lot of things that are game-related. I don't care if you get a VR or practice. It's not like the pressure of someone breathing down your neck. All right, and, so Ernest, you're saying it's too early to get too hyped about the NFL. So yeah, let's, yeah. let's bounce around some other sports while we have some time here before we start to wrap it up. And we'll do a quick five, seven-minute hit on each one of them, okay? All right. So let's go Major League Baseball, getting closer to the end of the season. Your Braves are looking fantastic. Um but you know the Orioles, one of our favorite teams, has gone on a yes. seven win, seven game winning streak. Uh, they're sort of out raying the Rays, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. The Rays are known for having great teams and low payroll. Here come the Orioles. Um, how do you see your predictions now for the World Series and the championship? Well, the Rays lost four of their starting pitchers. Two to, to uh, Tommy John disease, so they're having to. And fortunately, they're a team that's always been good at using the the to to be announced next day uh, the relievers in that extent. Uh, their hitting is always a question. I'm gonna tell you how much baseball always destroys itself by marketing horribly. Okay, here's an example. Uh, Fox is showing two games Thursday night against Amazon Thursday night football. So would they show a series between two two of the top three teams with the records, the Rays and the Orioles, battling out for the American League East Division, or would they show a game between the last place team and the next to last place team? Oh, you're kidding me. You got it. They're showing the Yankees and the Red Sox instead of the Rays and the Orioles. Rays and the Orioles are the second game, the rainout game, so to speak. Uh. They're the basically other saying we want the market. We don't care about the rest of the yeah, country. You know, if you show the Yankees and Red Sox, it's the equivalent of uh, when Chris Collinsworth said the perfect schedule for Sunday night football would be Dallas every week. Yeah, uh, Major League Baseball having the the Red Sox and the Yankees are what they see as the perfect schedule, even though they're two boring teams right now. But that's that's it. Uh, it's been fascinating to see how the Astros have taken over uh, with Seattle, the West, and the Rangers are sinking like the Titanic. Or is that the sub at the Titanic? I don't know which. Which metaphor is more timely? I don't yeah. know. I uh, know, but, it's you know, the Astros, they get Verlander, and he's not exactly been the Verlander of old, but he's stabilized the rotation, and Julio Rodriguez is just the hottest team in baseball right now. It's the Seattle Mariners. They're, they're, the only real races right now are the American League West and the wild cards, especially the National League wild card, because you've got five teams uh, within a game of those three slots. And and no one talks about the Cubs. Cubs have pretty much almost secured right. a, uh, I mean, it, it, again, their old catcher there. Has David Ross. Much, yeah, has pretty much secured they have a playoff slot. With the hottest guy in the National League right now, Cody Bellinger. Bellinger, who couldn't get a contract from, from the Dodgers, even though he was MVP, even though he's a World Series MVP, no one would sign him. He signed a one-year look-at-me contract, and he has been the hottest player since the All-Star game. I think so he's going to get paid. Oh, yeah. We get someone, you know, Yankees supposedly looking for. Yankees are just a mess. I mean, you look at Stanton. His, his, Gets hurt Stanton, every year. He's batting 190 and has about 20 home runs. The, the only thing, and there's so many strange things with baseball. The, the Phils, uh, Schwarber, who's the leadoff batter for him, his average is 194 right now. Leadoff hitter betting 194. Yikes. It, yet he has 40 home runs. A leadoff hitter with 40 home runs betting 194. That's new baseball. 
Well, that's just the way they look at it now. But it's, All right, we're going to move on to the NBA then real quick. Yes. Um, Harden don't you, don't you in Philadelphia. I want to talk about Harden in Philadelphia. Talk about Harden in Philadelphia. Then He's painted himself in a corner. He's put all his cards in, called the owner a liar, a cheat. He wants out no matter what. What percentage chance that he's going to stay in Philadelphia? The same percentage chance that somebody's going to be at Portland instead of going to Miami. I think their owners have drawn the line in the sand that if you've signed a long-term contract, you're going to honor it. And they're not going to be forced. So you're saying Lillard's not going to make it to Miami? No, no, I don't think. They're and gonna, so Harden's going to have to play at the 76ers? Yeah, I think. And, and the commissioner came out with this. The idea of coming out and saying you want to be traded to one team. For Portland, they don't want any of the Miami's assets. So unless Miami gets the third team in there, now why would they do that? Why would a third team get in there unless they get uh, cap relief? Uh, I think the same thing. Harden basically signed the contract. He had a chance to opt out. Uh, they're going to honor the contract. Either he's going to play and get paid or he's not. But I think the, the, the worm is kind of turning the NBA because you had players like LeBron, Chris Bosch, like Anthony, others that basically said, I want to go one team. I know I got two or three more years on my deal. You're going to trade me to them, and I don't care what you get. And I think you've got a new group of owners, a lot of them who come from the corporate world, a lot of investors who are looking at what is the worth and the value of their team that they do that. So, I mean, at, at some level, I mean, the NBA has always been called the player's league. And the threat has always been if you didn't trade a player, then his – agent would steer his players away from then you draft you don't have to have there were you know you don't have to have whoever they got his agent no agent is going to steer a player away from somewhere where he will make more money or he won't be that player's agent much right, longer right so i think the worm has turned a little bit but i thought you were going to when we talk about basketball about nba the idea that the usa team goes to the fiba championship and does not meddle which means they'll have to play in. That's a non-story to me because we're not sending our best players. It's not the Olympics. So what's the big deal about this world championship? Now they're going to have to play in, play a play-in tournament to get into the Olympics. When Germany wins that, I right. think, okay, what are With we the really Wagner, talking about? The Wagner boys. The Wagner, the Wagner. Boys. Yeah, they both went to Michigan. They were stars in the team. I saw them play for years. They're good players, but you've put on United States' best players on that team, and they can wipe out every team except for maybe Lucas' team. Yeah, I'm Bobby Portis was was the center, starting center. Uh, yeah. Basically, he played at uh, Arkansas, and all, he shoots corner threes. Uh, I don't think it's a surprising losing to uh, Lithuania and losing to Germany as much as losing to Canada. Yeah. That's an eye-opener. Yeah, I, I did enjoy seeing Brooks' face on some of the highlights on ESPN. He's got that wonderful ability like Rodman to get under your skin. It's, it's like I said, in David Stern wanted to make this an international game, and this is what happens. Yeah. And we had a dominance. I mean, you know, Canada doesn't win the, the gold medal in hockey very much anymore. I think the last time was in Vancouver, and that was after a 20-year period of time. I mean, if it's the case, we've done this in a corporate world in which we strid markets to other countries, and then we get upset when they have more of investment in the businesses, and we have businesses come here from other countries. But if you're going to trade your goods and services, and sports is a good and services, that this is what's going to happen. Ernest, the you time is ticking. Up. i got to have wrap oh, you yes. up on the. So let's get to some culture and your final good thoughts. Any movie yes. reviews this week? Oh, I've been. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, Hypnotic with Ben Affleck, which is on um, uh, Peacock. It came out in the theaters in summer. It kind of got lost. It's, it's, you know, I'm not the biggest Affleck fan in the world, but it's very much, it doesn't have the best production standards but is very much 
one of those movies that twists and turns. If you like those types, basically, guys, this is going to sound like uh, an old Tom Cruise movie, but his child disappears and he tries to stop a bank robbery and the guy walks up and puts suggestions in people's minds and they pretty much turn against everybody. And when he gets in the bank, he beats the guy to the bank to find out what he's looking for, which is a bank vault, uh, a bank. What is it? One of the little cases where you have stuff, putting valuables and stuff. Security box. Security box, yes. It's his child, a picture of his child. Like I said, nice nice little 90-minute movie. If you get a chance to watch it hypnotic, uh, take an opportunity. It's it's like a little nice one. There are a few I'm looking forward to. I'm looking for the one about the GameStop uh, investors. There's a movie coming out at the end of the month, and I've forgotten the name. I think it's shortlisted is the name of it. But it was all based. It's a comedy on if you knew a group of amateur people wrote, drew up the stock in GameStop and basically outsmarted Wall Street. But it turned on. Very much like The Big Short. Mm. Uh, Seth Rogen's in it. It's a very good movie. Get an opportunity to see it. There you go. And here's part of this is the part in the, the podcast when I talk about someone's passed away. Yeah, the last couple of minutes. And before we started this today, I knew which person you're going to talk about. Go ahead. I, Jimmy Buffett. I've been listening to Buffett since uh, Changes in Attitude, Changes in Latitude, which was the mid 70s. I became a fan in college. Uh, Jimmy Buffett was an insider, he worked for one of the many music uh, magazines in the late 60s. And then he got up with Jerry Jeff Walker, who's a legendary country singer from Texas. And he wanted to get into the business. And he said, well, if you want to do it, go down to Key West and learn to play. And his music, uh, Parrot Heads, which is his followers, it's, uh, it's country rock, but it still is the Caribbean life. Uh, it's it's easygoing music. It's the dream. It's, it's the, the, the colorful shirt and the shorts and the dockers and uh he's one of the rare individuals in music he passed away he had skin cancer a form of a very malignant form and he had it for three years he kept it from everybody but his family still toured he was uh performed in april in rhode island and kept it secret very Similar to the way Norm McDonald and, and Chadwick Boseman did, worked up to the very end, even though they knew they had a terminal disease. Uh, he was incredibly smart. He invested, had hotels. Everybody's had a chance to eat at Margaritaville at the restaurant. He, he became a billionaire. Uh, he was you know, not one of these rock stars that, wound up with his eight tracks being sold for a dollar a piece in the Dollar Tree. Uh, he invested. He was influential in both rock and roll and in country music. A witty writer. Uh, I mean, that's just, and everybody talks about how, how approachable he was. He was good friends with Paul McCartney, and he made friends with people on the street. He had no heirs. He had a reoccurring role on, on Hawaii Five O, the new edition. He appeared on on uh, what's the what's the the Tom uh, the Tom Selleck Magnum show PI. No, 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 the one where he's an old police commissioner. Oh, uh, Blue Bloods. Blue Bloods. He appeared on Blue Bloods. I mean, he just he was in Jurassic World. He's been in a lot of movies, and he's just that approachable, laid back lifestyle. And, and even at the end, like I said, I've enjoyed his music. Can't repeat all the titles here on air, but it's just that relaxed there. The one I love is A Pirate Looks at 40, which when I sing it, I say A Pirate Looks at 60, which equates <laughs> that, that how someone can be, what is the lyric the song says? It's an occupational hazard to have an occupation which hasn't been relevant for 200 years. <laughs> and it's, it's deep stuff. I love it. I think I've bought at some time, every album he has, I have seven songs of his on my queue, my enormous queue of songs. Uh, I played a lot of his music. Ironic that I noticed all the college football games this last week. 
the bands were playing Margaritaville or Come Sunday or many of his classes. Five o'clock. And it was somewhere. Yeah, five o'clock somewhere. Uh, and it was the bumper music for a lot of sporting events. It was somewhat of his universally. Uh, and again, uh, I've seen him in concert. He's just Mr. Laidback. And it's another sign of getting older. It's not the idea. I'm only five years younger than, than Saban. That really makes me feel old. But uh, Robbie Robertson passed as one of the original members of the band, which was the backup band for Bob Dylan and success of themselves with Levon Helm and many others. It's just, you know, every day I open up the paper and someone relevant and I tell it to people around here and they go, who is that? <laughs> uh, it's, it's just part of the aging process. It is, it is. Well, that's a good tribute to Jimmy Buffett and... I agree. A lot of people appreciated his storytelling, this, the way that his music made you feel. It made you feel like you were down in the keys, uh, kicking off your shoes, not having a problem in the world, looking for your shaker of salt. You know, that's from one of his lines. So, um, well, Ernest, that's it for today. Uh, I'm glad that people joined us. We covered a lot of topics, and we had a lot of fun. So, folks, if you want to suggest a topic or... Make your comments known. Email me, Paul Arnold, at gobluearnold at gmail.com. He's Ernest Watts. We don't give out his email. He has enough bad emails as it is already. So, so for Ernest yeah, Watts. Yeah, a lot of people trying to sell me car repair things. <laughs> is your warranty that. out? Is your warranty out? I know. I know. It's horrible. It's horrible. All right. For Ernest Watts, this is Paul Arnold. Have a good night.